welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. I'm back. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. My goodness, did I do a lot of cooking. The phone number, if I can remember it, is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. Happy to have you today. Uh, I feel like we're in Groundhog Day. We're back to talking about some of the Trump stuff, but I want to I want to talk about it in a different way, if you'll allow. Well, you have to, but um, so I want to say I want to say something out of the gate. When let, let me just get it on the record. Let me get it on the record first. Calm down. Calm down. Just listen to everything I have to say. When the President of the United States, former President of the United States, meets with Kanye West in the middle of Kanye West's mental health breakdown, where West has been going on some pretty anti-Semitic, anti-Jew tirades. Probably not wise. I'm going to presume that Donald Trump didn't know all the particulars of Kanye West's meltdown. Kanye West brought Nick Fuentes with him. I don't expect Donald Trump to know who Nick Fuentes is. In fact, I take the president at his word. He didn't know any of this stuff. Um, here's the problem. The staff should have known. The, it is the job of the staff to know. It is the job of any politician staff to run interference for that politician, to do the blocking and tackling so that the politician can be the nice guy to the people he actually encounters. Uh, This is real-world scenario stuff. I worked in this world. When your guest who is already having a mental health breakdown brings someone with him to dinner, the staff is supposed to run interference and figure out who this person is. And I assure you within Republican circles, particularly at the staff level, they knew or should have known who Nick Fuentes is. I don't expect you to know, but I expect the political staff around the president to know this is a guy who compared the Jews putting, the Nazis putting Jews in the ovens to baking cookies. That's his comparison. It was like baking cookies. That That's him. That's what he said. On top of that, he says American culture has declined because of a, quote, bastardized Jewish subversion of the American creed. The founders never intended America to be a refugee camp for non-white people. He has openly called for a white nationalist party to rival the GOP. He's also got some serious sexuality issues. He has said this is a direct quote from him. If we're really being honest, never having a girlfriend, never having sex with a woman really makes you more heterosexual because, honestly, dating women is gay. Having sex with women is gay. And having sex with men is gay. Really, it's all gay. The only really straight heterosexual position is to be an asexual incel, and he says he is one. That is an, uh, a celibate person, involuntary or otherwise. This is the guy Kanye West took to dinner with him with the president of the United States, the former president, that has caused all of the drama over the last week. I 
don't doubt Donald Trump had no idea who Nick Fuentes is. The point is that the staff should have known. And the staff should be fired for putting him in a position like that. I don't expect that Donald Trump knew about Kanye West mental health breakdown. The guy says he wanted to go talk to the president about what was happening and get his advice. Donald Trump is not exactly someone who hangs out on TikTok. He doesn't strike me as that or or, or much of social media outside of true social now and it's other people posting for him. He's on the golf course. I doubt he knew the extent to which Kanye West has had a meltdown. I really doubt that. But his staff should have known and they should have protected Donald Trump. And the problem here is we're 708 days away from a presidential election and we're already running through the same soap opera-ish nonsense where this stuff happens to Trump. It becomes a massive news story. Uh, Everybody goes into damage control mode and the staff is yet again screwed up and these screw-ups seem to keep happening. We're three elections now where Trump and and Trump-supported candidates have gone down in flames. We have the soap opera. It is Groundhog Day all over again. The purpose of the Groundhog Day movie is that Bill Murray ultimately learns a lesson and is able to not have to drop the toaster in the bathtub and start over again every day. It feels like Republicans want to drop the toaster in the bathtub, but that's not my big point here. I have a bigger point. Listen to this audio from Jonathan Lemire on MSNBC. Jonathan Lemire, uh... Again, he, he refuses any condemnation of, of, of this guy. Um, and it's, it's the same thing with, you know, it's the same thing with Kanye West. Uh, but again, there is a strange silence out there. You, you know, you'll even even if a guy like Mike Pompeo will condemn anti-Semitism, won't say Trump's name, afraid to say Trump's name. And Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, yeah, Vaughn's right. People say, well, she's a fringe member, but she stops being a fringe member when Kevin McCarthy is striking deals with her so he can become Speaker of the House. Yeah, this strain of white nationalism is becoming more central to what today's Republican Party is about. Marjorie Taylor Greene is about to become a very important member of Congress as Republicans are about to take the majority there in the House. And for Trump, it's refusal to condemn this hateful rhetoric and hateful people because he doesn't want to alienate those supporters. His ceiling as a candidate may be lower, but he's trying to harden that floor. He's trying to keep, he's trying to play to the lowest common denominator to try to keep some supporters in check. Okay. This is my larger point. The Democrats did not have a fantastic night on election night, and neither did Republicans. It was essentially a draw, which was good for the Democrats because they really did expect to get blown out of the water. Instead, they'll hold the Senate. They'll barely lose the House. Republicans did make gains uh, in some places pretty significantly, but Democrats did in other places. Republicans, however, held on to the Arizona State Legislature and actually picked up some seats they weren't necessarily expecting to pick up in Arizona, including the congressional delegation. The Republicans got a supermajority in the North Carolina Senate. They took over the North Carolina Supreme Court, came close to a supermajority in the State House. 
the Republicans in Ohio did well. Republicans in Georgia outside of the Walker campaign did very well. In Florida, they did well. Republicans in New York did great. Um, the Inland Empire Territory, California, Republicans did very well there as well. We'll get into the New York gains here in a little bit. I suspect that the Democrats are going to overplay their hand, and we get the sense of this from MSNBC, Jonathan Lemire, and his statements that somehow white supremacy and white nationalism are becoming part of the Republican identity, and I know if you are on the left, you believe that. The problem is it really isn't true. And let me set up for you what I think is going to happen. I think the Democrats... When they look at what happened on Election Day, they see that candidates closely identified with Donald Trump and fighting a a Trump platform where they're not focused on, for example, economy and crime, they're focused on the culture war issues, that those candidates all lost. And the voters, 13% of Republicans and a majority of independents decided they would stay with the Democrats they don't like then go with Republicans who they thought were too into stop the steal nonsense, etc. And so I suspect what they're going to try to do is tie every Republican to the stop the steal stuff. And they're going to try to tie every Republican to the white nationalist stuff. And in the process, they're going to discredit themselves because actually most Republicans aren't in that camp. I mean, this is the headline for Bloomberg right now. Key Trump 2024 rival silent after his white supremacist meeting. Many of Donald Trump's potential 2024 rivals and some top Republicans have fallen silent on the former president's dinner with a notorious white supremacist, illustrating the party's continuing struggle to escape his grasp. Trump's impromptu dinner with Nick Fuentes at Mar-a-Lago last week has drawn condemnation from only a handful of Republicans, while most sidestepped the matter or said nothing at all. Those silent so far include Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former Vice President Mike Pence, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, the chamber's likely next speaker, Chris Christie, the former New Jersey governor who's rumored to be weighing in a 2024 bid, told the New York Times it showed an awful lack of judgment by Trump. Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson called it very troubling and said Republicans should reject anti-Semitism. Representative James Comer said the president needs better judgment in who he dines with. Republican National Committee Chairwoman Rona McDaniel criticized the meeting without naming Trump. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo condemned anti-Semitism without saying what prompted his comments. You get the sense here. The media wants to tie all the Republicans to Trump and to white supremacy and say the party hasn't gotten over Trump at the same time the party is moving beyond Donald Trump. The media and the Democrats are going to overplay their hand on this. They are going to try to convince everyone that all Republicans are bad. And here's what the data actually showed in November and what the data showed in the polling. In fact, if you will remember the polling before the election, that turned out to be pretty good if we're honest about it. The polling showed that most voters don't actually care about January 6th and most voters don't tie most Republicans to Donald Trump. So those Republicans who explicitly ran with Donald Trump on Donald Trump's platform, bragged about their endorsements for Trump, they all lost in the key swing states in Pennsylvania, 
In Ohio, the, the difficult struggles for them. Same in North Carolina. In Michigan, they went down in flames. Wisconsin, down in flames. Arizona, down in flames. Nevada, down in flames. California, New York, uh, the, the hardcore Trump-endorsed candidates all lost, despite the Republicans doing very well. Same in Virginia. Same in Pennsylvania. I mentioned Pennsylvania. And so the Democrats and the media are going to try to tie every Republican to this. And all the Republicans have to do is be themselves. All the Republicans have to do is be their own man, define themselves, define what they care about. And what the media says versus what people see with their own eyes will be so disconnected from reality, it will be Groundhog Day again for the voters where they see the Democrats and the media making wild claims that do not work. What is important for you to understand here is that the media and the Democrats look to November and see it as a victory. The president's party in in the White House defied history, and to an extent, that is a victory. The problem for them, however, is that when you look at the Trump candidates, yes, they lost. But hundreds of Republicans nationwide who defined their campaigns, ran on crime and the economy, ignored Donald Trump altogether, including a guy named Ron DeSantis and a guy named Brian Kemp and a guy named Greg Abbott, they all won, and they won big. You make it about the issues and not about Trump. You ignore the media. You don't take the bait. Republicans win. No one in America at this point thinks that Ron DeSantis is the second coming of Donald Trump because Donald Trump himself is attacking Ron DeSantis. So you ignore it. You don't take the bait. You let the media scream that they won't answer for Trump. They won't answer for Trump. Why won't they answer? Who the hell cares? Talk about your issues. Ignore Donald Trump. You win. That's what the actual data of the election showed. The media and the Democrats have misconstrued what happened because they're in that bubble and no one will shake them loose of it. The holidays are the most exciting time of the year, and if you want to enjoy them to the fullest, you need to get the best night's sleep ever, which is why you should be sleeping under Bolin Branch sheets. They're made of the finest 100% organic cotton threads on earth. And I got to tell you, I was on my front porch the other night. I'm just going to go off the script they gave me and tell you, I convinced a friend of mine through this ad you're hearing right now to buy them. And he said he and his wife got them and she couldn't believe he paid for Bolin Branch sheets. They're not that expensive. He took advantage of the deal, but she's like, oh, sheets like this, they must be super expensive. They're not. And then she was like, really? That was after the first wash. Now they've had them for two years, and he says they are the softest sheets ever. Every wash, they get softer and softer. I'm telling you, he's a believer. And now his wife's like, can't we buy Bowling Branch for every bed in the house? And he's like, we can, and they're going to because they're the best sheets. So here now with Christmas, it's time to take advantage of this incredible deal. 25% off site-wide plus free shipping when you use the promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. Promo code ERIC, offer ends December 4th. Like my friend, who's a preacher, yes, they get softer every wash. They're the best sheets you will own. BolandBranch.com, promo code ERIC, offer ends December 4th. Hello there. Welcome back. I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. I certainly did. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let's go to Lewis first today. Welcome to the show. Happy Thanksgiving. 
Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, I want to ask you, Rush always said the Republican Party could win every time if they would just stay on message about conservatism and grind that into the Republican Party, but it seems they never stay on topic about that, and they get they get sidetracked with all these other issues, and the Democrats didn't end up beating them every time. The Democrats always stay on their message, how they want to do things, but when it comes to Republicans, they don't ever form together and, and unite and, and put this message, like Rush was saying, they just cower down and, and don't want to, you know, engage with the message and, and the ones who are voting for them. Look, I, I think Rush is right, obviously. Um, at the same time, I think it's worth noting that they're not taking the bait for the most part. Now, you've got the Asa Hutchinsons and the Chris Christie's of the world. It's, it's kind of what they do. Um, they're on the Sunday talk shows. Christie is at ABC News, so he answers these questions. But, I mean, you're not seeing Pence. You're not seeing DeSantis. You're not seeing Haley. Uh, you're not seeing um, Cruz or, or any of these other front-runner, top-tier status candidates going after it. In fact, the media is very upset that they're not responding, and they're trying to play those tit-for-tat games of, why won't you respond to me? It's it's like, for example, DeSantis, Donald Trump comes after him, attacks him, and the media's like, why won't DeSantis respond to Trump? Because he's not going to get into that game. You know, when I ran campaigns, One of the things that I would tell candidates is never, unless you really, it's the question you want to answer, never answer the question the media asks. So, for example, the media asks you, candidate, what do you think about Donald Trump having dinner with Nick Fuentes? And your response is, Well, I haven't paid attention to the story. I've been paying attention to the millions of Americans who are struggling with the economy under Joe Biden this year, and I've been focused on trying to come up with a plan to help those people. But, 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 but it was all over the news. It was all over the news. Well, just because something is all over your newscast doesn't mean I have to pay attention to it when there are lots of Americans who are struggling and the real issues of the day involve crime and the economy. But, 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 but he's the leader of your party. I'm the leader of my state right now, and I have to take care of my citizens, and that means learning to ignore things that don't really matter to the people of my state. Oh, and you'll drive them crazy, but it works. You get your message out that you're focused on the economy. That's the thing. It's like how do some of these Republicans forget the basic messaging? You do not have to take the bait from the media. You do not have to, and yet they are insistent on taking the bait. Now, I want to play you this clip from Jeremy Diamond on CNN because it's somewhat relevant to all of this with where Joe Biden is headed. Biden fundamentally thinks that he's doing a good job. He thinks that he's accomplished a lot in in the last two years. When you look at historical precedent, he has a point there in terms of how much he's been able to get through Congress. And so ultimately, the, the, that is the biggest factor, I think, for Biden is as long as he feels like he's physically capable, mentally capable of doing the job, which he very much thinks he is, and as long as he thinks he's doing a good job, he will likely run for another term. Yeah, he wants to run for another term. Uh, you know, at this point, he does seem to me to be the only Democrat who can keep the Democratic Party together. The Democrats seem to be on the verge of a crack up and Biden is holding them together. They had an election that went better for them than anyone themselves included expected. 
And it's changed the narrative to put Biden in pole position to run again for president of the United States if he so chooses. And his family met this weekend over Thanksgiving to make that decision. And there is no word on what they decided, but the hints are he will run again. He'll be the oldest man to run for president again for the second time. And he's holding the progressives and the more liberal Democrats together in ways they were ready to break apart should they have had a big disaster on election night. And I think that actually helps the Republicans come 2024. I think you're going to see a Democratic Party that can't hold a message any better than the Republicans can and a Republican who can outrun them on message. I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. They're the largest grassroots network in the country fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them, in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington. we got to take power out of Washington. That's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Glad to have you with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Glad to have you guys back with me. Uh, I Heads up, just so you understand and, and know and can save me the emails. You know, every year I do shows for Good Friday and Christmas, focusing on music and theology, not politics and news. And for the last three years, I've gotten a complaint that I've had no Catholic on the show. I've had Tim Keller and Lincoln Duncan and Ed Linton. Um, I'll have my friend Derek Thomas. This year, I have reached out to a Catholic priest. So we'll have some Catholic representation. And then I'll hear from the Orthodox, undoubtedly. Okay, now let us go to the phones. Marie, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. Oh, thank you, Mr. Erickson. Uh, I just wanted to say, so just before you get into the deepness of the program, your gravy was a hit. I mean, it was 15 people are asking me for jars. Do you have any extra I could take home? And I said, I'll give you the recipe. Oh, how long does it take to make? Because if we have it tomorrow at home, you know, leftover, because I've already cooked a, a turkey breast, and oh my God, I've got to have the gravy. And yeah, and my husband grabs the phone and says, yeah, I'm going to make a sandwich. I said, well, that's nice. Use a little mayo and the lettuce and tomato. He says, no, I want to put the bread, the turkey, the gravy, the turkey, and the bread on top of that. And that I said, really okay. Good Okay, and I'm like, oh my God! I said this, yeah, and I'm talking to a friend in Italy, and she wants me. I had to give her the recipe, and I thought, Excellent. oh my God, it was fantastic. I said, this is what you put in your little safe in the house in case you get a little senile and can't remember it. Because <laughs> usually I can remember my favorite recipes. I know how to do them. You know, I know right. when I make a teaspoon of this and a fourth of this. When I'm making my pudding pies, I make the uh, you know, any kind of pie or the pumpkin, I, I just get fresh organic pumpkin and, mm-hmm. and, and, and then I just make it myself. 
And I'm thinking, oh, what if my memory goes, you know? I said, I've got to put this on a card, laminate it, and, you know, you put it in your safety safety box or a fire box, or if you have a, if you're rich, you have a house with a little bowl yeah. in the room in the safe. Yeah, and I, I, I said, yeah. oh, a friend of mine was talking about the, the scullery. And I was like, what is a scullery? It's like when you build your house, you'll have a scullery. I had to Google it. It's like the little separate kitchen that's away from the main kitchen. Yeah, where you yeah keep all that's the what they asked me. She said, you know, what, what is a scullery? I said, you can make one in your basement. I said, yeah. And I told him, I'm telling him, these people were like in, like in six, $8 million homes. They're up in Connecticut. And she's over in Italy, and I'm like, I said, oh, my God. I said, just a minute, and I'm reading it off. She says, are you sure that you didn't leave anything out because you're jealous and don't want us to have it here in Italy? I said, no. I said, I never did that. I never do. I have given even our oldest treasured recipes from the family, handed down, traditional, and I said, I want to share. And I was like, oh, my God, 15 people, and you're not going to believe this. This morning at eight o'clock, I get a call. She says, uh, I guess you really, you don't answer the phone. I was, a, she left a voicemail. I had to call her up. I said, what's the problem? What is it, sweetie? I said, I'm here in Florida. I said, you're up in New Jersey. What's the problem? And it's one of them, it's a daughter of, of uh-huh. a friend of mine. Uh, yeah, that I used to work with. And she said, I need that recipe. <laughs> I said, and I'm playing dumb now. I said, what recipe, honey? I said, was it the lasagna recipe? Did you lose it that I gave? No, no, the gravy, the gravy. I have to have the gravy recipe. And I said, okay, don't get excited. Don't get excited. Watch your blood pressure because she has blood pressure problems. I said, I'll give you the recipe. And my God, she called me back. She said, it was wonderful. She had 12 of those mason jars. Like in the old days when uh-huh. you used to use them. And she said, I filled every jar and gave one for them to take home. My she goodness. Said, I had to make that was it. a lot of gravy said, they made. Oh, my God. She said, no, I gave them each a jar. Because pounds she and said, pounds made of one. Yeah, and she tasted it. And she sent her husband out before they close. You got 45 minutes. Get down to the supermarket. Get this. I need this. And they're going, what, what, what do you do with all that butter? He said, oh, I don't want to. It's too long a story. He says, just please, just put it in the bag well, and let uh, me go. Uh, oh Char- Charlie's going to get aggravated with me if we go on too much longer talking about it. But I, yeah, that I, makes I, my well, day. Just one other little thing. Just I want a little thing. I love Victor, the way he works, the way his style is. And I said, I was, I was a little tired. He's going on. And I said, they started, somebody started to lawn mow across the street. I said, this is a holiday weekend here. And I, I had to put my ear to the radio. And he's so, the way he, the way he phrases things. And I felt like, I said, oh, my God, I must be getting senile or something. And I'm talking back to him. I said, oh, Victor, please repeat that for me. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm thinking, I felt like he was just talking and, 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 and giving me knowledge because I know not, I know a lot about you know the politics and things, mm-hmm. but when it comes to those angel, those batteries, and I'm thinking, and the man across the street, he's always looking out the window to run out to get a hold of me because he's a diehard Democrat and he just loves to taunt me. But I usually get him, and then I tell him, <laughs> you know, you really need to watch the Eric Erickson show. Then you'll know what I'm thinking and how I think, and Excellent. you won't have to bother me. 
And no, he just loves it. And boy, I had it written out, the notes, and I had them in my pocket because I knew it. I saw him at the window from my front window. So I had Victor's notes, and I've got to recopy them. And I'm like going in, and I said, just a minute. I pull it out, and he says, oh, are we making notes? I said, oh, yes, we are. I said, until I get it arranged in my mind. And he just looked at me, and he's like, well, he says, who's this Victor person? And I told him, and he said, hmm. He said, and so what's going to happen now? I said, nothing. I said, I have to bring my garbage can, you know, <laughs> and with the leaves I have right. left to be. Marie, look, but, I, yeah, I, I, but I, I got to let you him. go there. I hope, well, yeah, but I hope when you get someone to fill in, Alan was good, too. But Victor, he's got a way about him, man. And well, I, I just, I enjoy I, it. You know, I thank you so much. I've been crying all the three days because I lost my daughter. Um, she was killed in an accident. Oh, gosh. And, well, yeah, was, this has been I, a bad holiday. It was four days before Thanksgiving last oh, year. Goodness. And it, it seemed like it was rougher this year than last year to yeah. go ahead with Thanksgiving. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I just felt, you know, and he, you know, I wasn't crying. I felt relaxed with him. And his voice is so soothing. And he's very. He's like you. You can feel the passion that he really wants to help you learn That's good something. To hear. Well, look, so. I appreciate you calling. I, I, I really do. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry the holiday was rough, but goodness gracious, oh, you, no. you made my Thank day, you. and I will make sure Victor hears this as well. Thank you so much for calling. Oh, please do. Okay, bye. Take care. Bye-bye, Marie. Thank you very much. Now, you heard Marie talk about the Graveyard I want you guys to know, I, I realize... We obviously were not going to talk about this at this moment, but Marie's phone call here leads me off onto the tangent. If you want the gravy recipe, text the word data to 33777. It is free of charge. Anyone can get it. It really is a fantastically easy recipe. And I just, I got to just say something. Um, So my whole team, my assistant, the director of digital, Philip, the director of programming, Charlie, uh, my wife, my agent, my finance director. Everybody says, you got to get a new cell phone number. You got to get a new cell phone number. You've given your cell phone number to too many people. Too many people reach out to you too often. I was getting text messages at midnight Thanksgiving morning from listeners who have my number who had questions about the gravy and then text messages from people all over the world, not just in the United States, from people who made that gravy recipe or smoked my turkey or made my cinnamon rolls. And I got to tell you, it is really overwhelming, like, My really good friends, none of them actually texted me on Thanksgiving because they know what happens on Thanksgiving. I spent uh, two hours on Thanksgiving just responding to text messages from people wishing me happy Thanksgiving. And and it doesn't bother me at all. I'm happy to do it. But I just, I, I don't know of another radio show host on planet Earth who will pass his cell phone number off to listeners who need questions about the gravy recipe. And he texts me at midnight and I will respond. Now, truth be told, the person who texted me at midnight, I was asleep preparing for a busy day, but I woke up about eight o'clock on Thanksgiving day and had all these, these messages from people asking me about gravy. And then of course on Instagram and Twitter, direct messages. 
Um, but people like the gravy recipe and so many people tagged me on Instagram or on Twitter saying made the gravy recipe. It's as good as you say. I'm glad, uh, to be able to pass that gravy recipe off to everyone. Um, I found it years ago and gravy is supposedly so intimidating. I use it for every holiday. If a gravy has got to be made, uh, all you need to do is text the word data, D-A-T-A, text it to 33777. I'll text you back the gravy recipe. It's really easy. It's really good. Marie is a testament to it. Uh, I will also take your phone calls, 877-973-7425. Let me do now what I was not going to do, um, and, and I might as well um, get it done right now and that is that um the runoff in georgia i don't know the outcome obviously but i'm not encouraged the republican enthusiasm in georgia is not there I want to say this, though. I was on Megyn Kelly's show um, last week. She had to pre-record her show last Tuesday, and I was on it, and I said something that was right and then corrected myself and wound up correcting myself into the wrong thing, and I I needed to correct the record again. Um, The law in Georgia. The law in Georgia is that if you are registered to vote, you can vote in the runoff between Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock. As long as you registered to vote on or before November 7th, 2022, you can vote. Whether you voted in the general election or not, if you're registered to vote, you can vote in the runoff. Uh, There is a rumor going around, which I fell into, and I just assumed the law had been updated, and I didn't realize it, that only people who voted in the general election can vote in the runoff. That's not true. It is not true that you have to have voted in the general election to vote in the runoff. The truth is is that anyone can vote in the runoff. Anyone can vote in the runoff who registered to vote on or before November 7th, 2022. I don't know who is going to win. I will tell you that uh, there is significant turnout uh, over the weekend in Democratic strongholds in the state. The Republican Party in Georgia is yet again pushing day of voting. In fact, they sent out a mail piece last week. It had one of those QR codes. You know what the QR codes are? Those little squares that have the black dots in it. And if you tried to load the black dots, it went to an unlisted page that didn't exist on the Georgia GOP website. They fixed it since then, thank goodness. But um, they're they're not pushing early voting. There's been no aggressive push. I will say that uh, we had a door knocker at our house, which we never had in the general election for the Walker campaign. Uh, There are Republicans in the state trying to find Republicans to get them to vote. It is a turnout game. There are more Republicans than Democrats in the state. The problem the Republicans are finding out is that there are actually a lot of Republicans who aren't enthusiastic about the candidate, and some of them are voting for Warnock. But in theory, if more Republicans turn out than Democrats, which there are in Georgia, Walker will win. I just don't know any Republican who's super enthusiastic about it. And I would just remind all of them that if Republicans are able to win the seat in Georgia, then the committees in the Senate are tied, which means the Republicans have an easier opportunity to block bad ideas from the Democrats, which is why I would encourage all Republicans 
to go vote for Herschel Walker. Now, one group that's actually stepping up to help conservatives is Patriot Mobile, eh, but they need your help to help conservatives. What they do is if you move your cell phone plan to them at patriotmobile.com slash Eric, you can help them grow their profits and they dedicate a portion of their profits to the conservative movement, the pro-life movement, the Second Amendment movement, veterans, first responders, conservative school board candidates fighting the wokes. What you do is go to uh, patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can also call them. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. They're Christians and conservatives. They share your values. They want your business. You grow their profits. They grow the available pool of money that goes to the conservative cause. Call them at 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you, and you get free activation with my name. They have guaranteed great service. They use the same cell towers everybody else uses. You don't have to worry about the service. You get great service. And if you don't believe me, go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. They have a detailed map down to your house that shows you how strong the 5G coverage is, the data, the voice, all of that. Patriotmobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. You know, I mentioned the Georgia runoff. There's a report out Brian Kemp is now starting a federal super PAC leadership PAC. Um, yeah, the, Governor Brian Kemp, uh, governor of Georgia, has filed paperwork with the Federal Elections Commission to create Hardworking Americans, Inc., a federal PAC that will allow the Republican to boost his national profile. Kemp's unique success defeating a Trump-backed opponent in a primary and a Democrat in a key battleground has made him something of a case study for Republicans. It's also paved the way for speculation about his future national ambitions. The new PAC could set Kemp up for a federal run, including for the U.S. Senate. John Ossoff will be defending his seat in 2026, the same year Kemp's gubernatorial term ends. Kemp's nearly eight-point November victory over Stacey Abrams was preceded by a more than 50-point primary victory over David Perdue. Vilified by the former president after he refused to overturn Georgia's 2020 election results, Kemp prevailed. A federal PAC would allow Kemp to influence races around the country. Listen, um, he's all in for Herschel Walker. He's doing everything he can. And what is interesting here is boosting his national profile. I have never gotten the sense from Kemp he wants to run for president of the United States. But uh, running for the Senate, that would be intriguing. Would be very intriguing. Set up a leadership pack now, earn some goodwill, grow your pool of money available uh, headed into that. Now, you can't use that money for yourself. Um, those packs, this is kind of the problem with Trump, and it kind of leads me to my theory on Donald Trump. I have a theory on Trump, and I'm not sure about my theory on Trump. Um, but let, let me run this by you. You know, the RNC months ago said they had to stop paying his legal bills. They didn't have the money for it. Trump has $100 million in a super PAC. That super PAC money cannot be used for Donald Trump can be used to, to campaign for other candidates and the legal costs associated with that, but it can't fund, for example, if you were prosecuted by the government, that money couldn't go to him. The only way to, to go to him, for that money to go to him, is to set up a presidential campaign fund, and you can use the money you raise there to cover your legal bills. That's my personal theory, is, is that he announced he's running for president as soon as he did, 
in addition to try to draw donors to him, it has a lot to do with paying his legal bills for anything he may think is coming. That's my theory. In any event, if you text the word Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, you can sign up for the daily email with all my thoughts, as well as get the podcast and the live stream and so much more. All my social media contacts, text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. When we come back, we need to talk about the media preening over Twitter because it highlights a larger problem in the nation with a lot of journalists who insist that they must be the gatekeepers to all information and you're bad if you don't let them.